What's up, y'all? Welcome to the SOS Podcast, and today we're talking anime. Yeah, you heard that right. It's like right in the middle of the off-season for basketball. Nothing's really going on other than the FIBA. So I thought it's a good time to take a step back and talk some anime, you know what I mean? The thing with basketball uh, episodes is if you don't post on time, your ideas become old and outdated. But with anime, on the other hand, usually opinions are solidified. So I'm really excited to write down some notes, take my time, and talk about not just any anime today, but the king of anime, One Piece. Let's get right into it. With Gear 5 finally making an on-screen appearance, I thought this is a perfect time to celebrate One Piece and all its epic moments. So in two parts, we're going to go through every single epic moment chronologically of One Piece. And yeah, One Piece is really long, but the thing about it is it has these legendary moments that just give you goosebumps, it makes you stand up, it makes you walk around your room, it makes you scream, it makes you go, oh my god, makes you go through so many emotions. And that's why it's just a really, really great watch. A long watch, tedious at times, but a really great one. So let's start from the very beginning. That's Shanks saving Luffy from the shark epic moment i think this comes second or third episode while he's talking to zoro and explaining his backstory and god damn from the start we all love shanks total badass it's a little bit of a plot hole you know because no way a random sea creature is touching shanks especially considering that luffy beat the shit out of that sea creature in one hit before he even went on his journey but at the same time damn that was so badass like Shanks shown as this like um, weakling originally to Luffy like bro why aren't you fighting back yada yada when the other crew messes with them but it doesn't matter because there's no point in fighting and this we see later in Luffy too because there's no point in fighting but when he has to fight oh my god this is also the first time we actually see Conqueror's Hockey um with shanks just looking at the shark and then uh well, i'm calling it a shark whatever it is a sea creature and god damn that shit just runs away just goosebumps on your spine and of course the legendary moment of shanks handing down his straw hat to luffy there was a lot of hidden things in this um flashback that we probably didn't notice on our first watch or second watch that we found out even more recently especially for the anime watchers about like luffy's real fruit um conquers hockey like i already said but the main point and what this establishes is that strong father-son character type relationship mentor and student relationship between luffy and shanks what really makes the scene like super epic and so worthy to start this list off is the fact that it is epic the second or third time you're watching One Piece or rereading One Piece. The first time you see the scene, it probably doesn't mean what much to you. But after like a thousand chapters and episodes, you realize how important this scene is and how much of a turning point it is, not just for Luffy's character, but for Shanks' too. So it's definitely up there with one of the most epic scenes in One Piece. Just spine chilling. Hawkeye arriving at the Baratie is another great epic moment that kind of sets a precedent of what to expect coming in one piece when you look at the east blue saga you see it as kind of like a prequel 
to the actual story of One Piece, which really starts when they get to the Grand Line. And Hawkeye arriving at the Baratie, uh, it just represents that there's so much to this world, so much to the power scaling, and so much for our protagonists to go through to get to that level. And the fact is that even after 20 or maybe even 25 years after this aired, they're still not there yet. They're close, but still not there yet. So showing such a powerful character this early in the series was actually wild. Earlier with Shanks, it was like at the time he wasn't a warlord, but Hawkeye is literally a warlord and he's shown in like, what is this, the 12th, 14th episode? And they showed him as a complete beast. He beats Zoro, gives him permanent chest wounds with a small knife. Because Hawkeye doesn't even bother capturing Luffy or Zoro or any of them. At this time, they don't even have a bounty. They're not even worth it. They're like ants. He just felt like humbling Zoro. So, shit, he just did that. And, of course, this is one of the best Zoro scenes ever. One of the most vital, vital moments in his character development when he picks up his sword all bloodied and he vows to Luffy to never lose again and to become the greatest swordsman. It's double effective because, if you remember, he had a dream where... It basically showed his entire backstory just a couple episodes ago. So we really get to see like how serious Zoro is about his dream and how much of a journey Zoro really has to get to that point. Amazing scene. Epic indeed. Nami asking Luffy for help. This is another epic scene. Everyone knows Arlong is like the first proper one piece boss fight before this it was uh individual fights here and there some minion fights some light fights with like um kuro the sickle guy and um the guy from the barati but arlong is the first first fight we're gonna see soon uh starting from the grand line that you're gonna get to this formula where zoro or sanji fight the second third strongest um Usopp and the rest kind of find a strategic way to fight the other guys and then Luffy's always fighting the big bad and this is the first time we see it such a badass scene where Nami kind of opens up as a character we can finally relate to her show her some sympathy and we all like her now but Luffy always believed in her the whole time never doubted her knew that she was going to be his Nakama and it was just it's just so badass bro the way he just puts the straw hat on nami and the other guys are just chilling ready to you know walk up on arlong park come on man how can you hate this scene all right let's fast forward a little whiskey peaks whiskey peaks i think is only one episode maybe two episodes long max okay maybe three i don't know bro i just, the pacing back then was just so crazy i can't even imagine it being longer than two episodes but who knows back in the day shit could have been 10 episodes for all i know but Whiskey Peaks was so cool because, you know, Luffy, Sanji, Usopp are super trusting and gullible. Nami and Zoro, not so much. It really shows the differences in the characters, the straw hat relationships, the character dynamics with one another. It's re- They're really starting to meld and settle in with one another and truly become like this family we love watching. The reason I picked Whiskey Peaks is because they're really only there for like four or five hours. And it's just so entertaining. The whole thing is so epic. It's hilarious, but it also really shows like how 
cool the straw hats are i mean luffy is literally fighting zoro because he hurt the people whiskey peaks and they casually just stop fighting the one hit ko miss valentine and number five then on the other hand you got nami running around trying to swindle like vv <laughs> swindle like everyone for returning vv to alabasta like it was so funny and in its own way it was pretty epic i mean yeah there's the whole like alabasta plotline starts here but whiskey peaks is so much more than that because you really see like the three main um characters kind of interact with one another and just show their character developments and dynamics like like just nami telling zora to stop fighting because these guys are gonna pay us is is pretty cool it's like the first time you really see like okay like these guys are the straw hat crew like they're acclimated with one another not they're not strangers to one another all right moving from the beginning of the alabasta arc right to the end i'm talking about the iconic x scene everyone knows the scene this is wallpaper for a lot of people it, alabasta is really like the first arc that splant splants <laughs> that spans through multiple islands i mean before it was only like one island or one area you go there luffy solves the problem yada yada straw hats win get stronger but no alabasta is the first time you go through multiple islands to finally get to alabasta then alabasta is so huge you're going through cities and different um towns villages and just the shit that they went through with vivi like this is the first time you really experience like a lot of emotional depth uh in one piece i mean you do of course before but this is just something that's been building up for a while now and you see things like this later on in wano with mononosuke uh, kind of like what they did with vivi here you really establish a connection with her. i remember when vivi left i just didn't believe them like, oh she's gonna come back right right but she never did i mean Cause like it's like the first time you're watching one piece you're like bro they literally went through so much shit with bb like how is she not a main character how is she leaving but she's still quote unquote an unofficial member of the straw hats you know they can't even say goodbye to her either because like the marines are right there so the only way to show bb that they actually care and that she'll always be remembered is by showing that that x on their hand all of them raising their hands turning their backs to bb and just to show them that well just to show her that you will always be one of us you'll always be a straw hat that this x on the back of our uh wrist hand whatever represents that uh it represents our bond our connection everything we've been through lots of imagery lots of symbolism we don't have to go into that but this whole scene was wholesome it was beautiful and of course it was really really epic now moving on to a more famous scene of one piece a lot of people put this scene as one of the most disrespectful moments in anime one of the most badass moments in anime and i'm gonna put it in my list as well as one of the most epic moments in one piece and because we're going chronologically like we're going in order I'm sure some of the One Piece fans can already tell what this is. That's right. It's when Luffy one-hit punches Bellamy, knocks the living shit out of him, permanently engraves his face. This is kind of like that scene with Shanks earlier, but just executed way better and it's with Luffy, so we definitely have more of a connection and it's just it's just way more badass, man. 
they go to the bar they talk about the lost city of gold they talk about sky the sky islands everyone laughs at them they're ridiculed people in the bar start beating the shit out of them and you know luffy he orders zoro to not fight back because there's no point there's no reason to fight these weaklings you know and nami has to drag their bodies well you know their injured bodies outside of the bar and and everyone just belittles them you know so when the bellamy pirates jump cricket uh and take his shit you know that that's a reason luffy goes all the way back he goes all the way back across the island the other side of the island calls out bellamy in front of the whole town everyone's watching and just humbles him with one single punch i i think that's why people love this scene so much bellamy is instantly depicted as this over cocky kind of spoiled asshole type and just seeing luffy humble him was just crazy and what makes it so epic it was just one punch a single punch god damn next up we got Enel completely dealing with everyone but he can't fight luffy because of a technicality rubber is immune to lightning it's just so hilarious because Enel is one of those villains that are meant to be late game villains you know like now luffy should be fighting someone as strong as Enel. but just because of the fact actually Enel still might come back uh as a lot of people are speculating and it makes sense too but just because of the fact that luffy is made of rubber and nell can't do shit i mean when you watch skypea and you see how scary anel is like he's literally a god to them and he is so strong he's one-shotting zoro sanji anyone in his way and he just can't do anything to luffy because he's made of rubber it's literally the epitome of one piece the perfect combination of action and comedy of course there's also the scene with luffy ringing the bell you know that's emotional and all but just the fact that anel couldn't do shit to luffy even after going into his like his uh awakened form or his whatever that form was like it's just so funny man and seeing wano now in the kaido fight it was just giving me flashbacks of the no fight where it's like it was serious but you're also laughing your ass off so it might be a funny moment but it's definitely an epic one rescuing robin from ennis lobby so for a lot of people me included this is when one piece kind of became one of their favorite anime I know that there's even better arcs, especially going right after this. But just this moment when Soge King, whoever that mass individual is, burned down the world government flag. When Luffy tells Robin, "The only way we can save you is if you ask," and Robin just screaming like, "I want to live! Help me!" and all the straw hats just standing there ready to save robin ready to ride out it was so epic man the struggle they went to get there to make their family make their crew and now they they're just going back to take one of them they kind of tried to do that with sanji and whole cake island but 
nothing compares to this moment where Robin just screams like, I want to live. And don't forget, this is also around the time they show Gear 2 and Gear 3. Also, the ceremony to say bye to Mary, all that stuff. There's so much going on in Ennis Lobby, but there's no moment that's more epic than just a straw hat standing in that line and Usopp burning the flag. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Soge King burning the flag. This brings us to the end of Ennis Lobby. The whole crew getting bounties. Oh my god, what an epic moment this was just seeing their reactions to their bounties and not just that you get to see the reactions of their families back home the whole world the people they previously interacted with the bounties are such a cool system because they're not just like a power level like in dragon ball z they kind of also show how much you've accomplished and how much clout you have so for them to finally all of them to finally get bounties and not just any regular bounties like high ones too is is pretty like as a fan it really just shows you that sense of development and where they were versus where they are god what an epic moment sometimes i literally just watch these bounty receiving scenes just because it gives me goosebumps just because it's so cool you love that sense of character development as an audience it's it's with scenes like this like these intervals that represent like a big battle is over the arc is over and this is just the aftermath an epilogue not just for this island but for the whole world and it's in these bounty receiving scenes where we slowly see that the way the world looks at the straw hats changes more and more and more but of course there's a lot that the world doesn't see of the straw hats sometimes there's a lot that the straw hats don't see about each other this brings us to zoro's best moment we all know zoro's best moment come on it's when zoro takes all of luffy's pain from kuma to protect his captain protect his crew so much pain he takes all the pain luffy took from all his previous fights not just one and he takes it all like nothing happened he's just standing there bloodied Sanji looks at him like bro you good he completely got rolled he just looks at him nothing happened there's not much I can really say about this scene more than the fact that it represents Zoro's loyalty and who he is as a character his strength his determination, his, you know, his will, his, goddamn, bro, I'm done. This, this, this is just such an epic scene. I, I can't even do it justice by saying anything. Next scene. All right, we got Luffy punching the fuck out of the Celestial Dragon. It's similar to the whole Bellamy situation where you depict such a spoiled, overconfident asshole, and then Luffy just knocks the shit out of him. That's one thing you gotta love about Luffy. He acts out, he acts out of his own sense of justice. You know, woman, children, celestial dragons, Luffy will punch the shit out of you if he thinks you're wrong. And it's just so, like, everyone's like, Luffy, don't do it, don't do it, whatever you do, stay away from the celestial dragon. Luffy does not give a shit. He rock that celestial dragon shit who is also a slave owner and trader so i guess 
you know, they just really wanted to make you hate the Celestial Dragon and really depict him as an asshole before Luffy knocked him out. And it was definitely gratifying. For sure, an epic moment. And that brings us to our final epic moment to go through. I know, I know, I'll do a post time skip one some other time. Right now, I just wanted to talk about the pre-time skip only because, God, One Piece is so long. Like, even writing down notes, I have to go through, like, a summary of One Piece and kind of just try to remember the best moments. If I missed your favorite moment, let me know. I'll definitely include it uh, in the next list. But let's just get into the final moment. So what makes the pre-time skip so good about One Piece is that it saved its most epic moment till the end. And the most epic moment of One Piece pre-time skip is basically all of Marine Ford. Bro, there's a reason why Marine Ford's everyone's favorite arc. It literally feels like the end of a chapter. It's the perfect arc to end One Piece right before the time skip. And it really shows that there's levels to this, man. Kainus and Goku, even Garb, Whitebeard, Blackbeard. Luffy's not even close to as strong as these guys. And it really... Kind of everything that was happening in the world throughout these arcs throughout luffy's journey there's still shit going on in the world with ace with blackbeard with the marine um government the world government it all kind of just built up to this very moment that changed the entire world of one piece kind of flipped it over its head so many epic moments for individual characters the world's that the world as a whole god damn how can you hate marine ford if you love one piece you love marine ford i don't know one one piece fan who did not like marine ford that's how good of an arc it is and so much shit happens too you get ace's lineage revealed like he's freaking goldie roger's son and his mom somehow held her held him in her womb for what like 20 months then you get luffy's lineage revealed to the whole world and just seeing like people's reactions was like god damn then whitebeard dies and of course before he dies you get that legendary the one piece is real the one piece is out there we all love that meme even people that don't watch anime know that meme man then you get ace's death in such an epic way you know sacrificing life for luffy and thanking him for caring for him like god damn oh yeah then there's that scene where luffy basically goes to whitebeard and he's like hey i'm him and then Whitebeard's like, shit. And he tells his crew, hey, guys, he's him. So just let him through. Support him, I guess. Just don't let him die. <laughs> and then, you know, there's just so many moments, bro. Even till the right from the beginning to the end. Like, at the end, Shanks just comes through and the war just ends. Nobody wants to fight Shanks. That's how much of a legend he is. He's like, he comes through. He's like, all right, guys, the war is over. If anyone else wants to fight, they got to go through me. And then everyone on both sides like, shit, all right, I'm good. You got Blackbeard showing that he can control two devil fruits too. Oh my God, man. Like, Marine Ford is the epitome of world building executed to perfection. Because this arc doesn't focus on the Straw Hats. Yeah, Luffy plays a role in it, but it does not focus on the Straw Hats at all. It focuses on the world everyone and everything in the one piece world changes post marine ford 
you get legendary characters um, that die or that become even more powerful or that retire like Sengoku or become um, whatever the highest rank is like Kainu and even Aokiji ends up leaving. There's so much world development for non-main characters and that's why One Piece is the king of anime. Marineford is a perfect example of that. The world of One Piece is constantly changing. It's always being affected by the main characters, the side characters, the villains. It's very intricate and detailed. There's lineages, there's parents, grandparents, great-grandparents that you kind of already have a sense for. You know what happened in this generation and in this generation and in this generation for such a huge world. And of course, this isn't even including the lost generation that everyone wants to know about. That's what makes it so intriguing, right? Like you want to know about the history of the world, the history of these characters, the history of their families. You want to know it all. And One Piece always delivers and Marine Ford is the epitome of basically executing on the perfect buildup. This has been built up for like 600 episodes at the time, maybe maybe less, maybe I'm capping, maybe like 400 episodes at the time. It built up to that point where, you know, Marine Ford happened and that was like the end of a chapter for One Piece, which was just a beautiful way to send off the characters before the time skip. And that's it. That was a lot harder than it sounded, Uh, you know, making notes and shit. But it was worth it because going through the entire story of One Piece again was so fun. I can't wait to do the post time skip epic moments. And again, if I forgot a certain moment, because even in my head and even in my notes, there were some moments I'm like, should I include that? Nah, I don't know if it's epic enough. So if I did forget anything, let me know and remind me. and I'll definitely talk about it next time. As for the SOS podcast itself, you can expect more constant uploads in the upcoming months. You can expect to see some guests coming through. We're going to be playing games. You know, we're going we're gonna to really have fun with it. We're going to talk other stuff. And of course, once the season starts, you know your boy is going to get on that NBA grind and, you know, give you guys the what's what. Now I have like a little bit more time. I've just been so swamped with the webcomic I've been writing and the short film I've been working on. But I've been getting better at organizing my time. And now that I don't have to talk about the NBA, because like I said, when you're talking about basketball, things get outdated real quick. Like I don't have to rush myself. So I can really focus on everything and really try to give you guys good, consistent and entertaining episodes. Really excited about what's to come. But until then, I'm Obi Dingra, and I'll catch y'all later. <laughs>